as anybody in manufacturing and, and my sister would agree and I'm sure you would agree Jim as well that you get very busy and, and I didn't have a lot of family time I was looking at my oldest who was already eight my twins that were six at the time and I thought I haven't spent any time with these kids I've been at work from seven in the morning to sometimes ten at night if the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping then you are metal working nation this is making chips where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts, business owners, metalworking experts, and guys who get dirty on the factory floor, Jim Carr and Jason Zanger. Now, let's make some chips. Hey, welcome, everybody. It's good to know that you're back with us today. And we're in our downtown Chicago studio. And we want you to know that this is the podcast to equip and inspire all you manufacturing leaders. I've got Jason sitting right next to me at my side. How you doing? Great. I'm doing great. Thank you. Good. I am too. I feel much better that I'm here and in front of the microphone and uh, ready to interview this uh, dynamic brother and sister team today. Before we get started, uh, do you have any manufacturing news, Jason, you want to share with our listeners? Yeah, I do, actually. I read, um, I actually subscribed to the Kiplinger letter. I don't know if people are familiar with that, but there was, a, you know, there's not always information about the manufacturing industry specifically, but on October 9th, there actually was, and they talked about how 2016 is going to be a down year for manufacturing. And I yeah, thought that I was know. interesting. I don't know if I believe that. I think it's more hearsay again. You know, I don't, everyone I'm talking to says 2016 is going to be a fantastic year. Well, what they're saying is that it's because of the oil and the gas industry. Is right. Well, we really know hard. that we know that's down anyway. Everybody that's in that industry is is not seeing good numbers in 2015. So obviously they're thinking that the next year is not going to be good either. Exactly. So the car industry, the auto industry is actually what's keeping the manufacturing industry afloat. Right. I know people that are in auto right now and they're having just excellent yeah, and, and, and I guess in general, a lot of these articles, when they talk about manufacturing being down, they're they're pointing to hiring, and a lot of the manufacturing hiring is not that that people were hoping for is not going to be happening in 2016. So that's something to keep in mind. Yeah, good. I'm hiring. Great. I told you that. Yeah. Well, you yeah. said you were busy. You came in frustrated this morning because um, I think you you're too busy. Well, I, mean, <laughs> I just got a lot of things going on. The morning you. started out kind of rough. I'm glad I'm here with you guys right now. So <laughs> great. But I want I do want to share some exciting news about making. Oh ships. yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Uh, we got a brand new site that's going to go live in about how hopefully many days? very soon. Ryan, how many days? Four days. Four days. Four days. Yeah. So uh, I, we're real excited uh, about that. Please give us some feedback on what you think about it. I think it's pretty sexy. I don't know about you. But. Yeah, no, I think it's gonna. it looks really nice. There's going to be a new podcast player, so you could just hit play right on the homepage. Absolutely. Um, it's going to be really obvious. One of the other things that we're working on um, is it actually a Making Chips app. So what you'll be able to do is you'll be able to go into the Apple App Store and download a Making Chips app. We're talking it's probably about a month out from now. And you can also go into the Android Play Store store and you can also download the app from there and you'll be able to get direct access to all of our podcast episodes. Great. Also, we have some other good news to share that we will have a feature article in Cutting Tool Engineering. Yeah, that's the awesome. December issue. Awesome. 
very cool article. Matt Jaster came out and interviewed us. and uh, Yeah, he wrote a great article. He did. And so, again, we'd like to hear some feedback on that. But anyway, I'm really, really excited uh, for you to introduce our guests today. I think they have a really compelling story to share with our listeners, well, with me and, and the listeners. I think it's kind of exciting. I, I think it tells people that you don't have to conform to a certain way to run a manufacturing business or any business for that matter that these two people have worked it out and they've worked it out successfully and that there is opportunity for people out there that want to do that. And hopefully Eric and Heidi will share their uh, good fortune with our listeners. Today, we're going to be talking with Eric Schmid and Heidi Schaefer, formerly Schmid, their brother and sister. And we're going to be discussing how you can successfully grow your business while not being tied to the day-to-day management of operating a manufacturing company. So as Jim mentioned, Eric is one of my dear friends. I've known him for a very long time and got to know his sister too. Eric and I actually spent three days on a floating tin can in the middle of the Alaskan Sea together. So we we got really close during during those three days. (laughs) That's another podcast. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) <laughs> with Eric and I and a couple other guys. But anyway, uh, <laughs> let me introduce them. So Eric and Heidi are third generation owners of Schmid Tool and Engineering. Uh, Schmid Tool and Engineering is a machining company that specializes in manufacturing parts and assemblies specifically for the firearms industry. In addition, they're also working on creating a new division of the company specializing in small precision part manufacturing on Swiss machines. And their clients are commercial and military firearm manufacturing companies. They do about $30 million in sales. Their facility is located in Villa Park, Illinois, and they have about 70 machine tools, turning, milling, Swiss, and a lot of custom machinery as well. Welcome, Heidi and Eric. Thank you. We're glad to be here. Thanks, Jason, Jim. It's nice to be here. Finally, we got you guys in. I think it's a great story. I'm really looking forward to hearing it and how it all began and and all that. So I did not know it was a third generation. I thought it was second generation. So your grandfather started the company. Tell me and our listeners a little bit about that. What are the roots that started it all? Our grandfather was a classically trained glass grinder from Germany. So he's a tool and die guy, he ground glass from Germany, and he came over here in the 20s, eventually started the business, I believe, Heidi, if we checked, it would be 43, 1943, um, with a partner, and then bought him out, and then George Hubner. Then the business transferred to our father in 68-ish, 69. At that point, our, our father ran the business to... 2000 when he passed suddenly and uh, then me and my sister found ourselves in the driver's seat. I think at that time we had some critical choices to make. Eric and I were in our early 30s and watched our father work and our grandfather work very hard as a sole partner in a small business, which as we all know here encompasses your every moment of every day. There is no start and stop time. So uh, we made a decision. Both of us were working for our father at the time. We made a decision that we were going to either do it together or sell. We couldn't, neither one of us were going to go for it alone. We kind of made a decision at the time that we'd both be in it together or we weren't going to do it. We do have two other siblings who are not active in the business. We have a 
older brother, Richard, and a younger sister, Britta. Neither of them, they both have had their own career paths and have never been part of the business. So that wasn't an issue sure, at, the, sure. at that time. So what are your active roles in, in, in the business, your respective roles in, in the day-to-day operations? I'd be in charge of finance and Eric would be operations. Is okay. Basically our strong suits. We now, do a lot of crossover, but that, those are our strong No, of course, of course. Yeah, we do do a lot of crossover. There's lots of times where I need help or, or she needs help and we have no problem blending those lines. Okay. So it's the year 2000. You're both working at the company. And then you had this sudden misfortune of your dad passing. And then, boom, you're stuck in that situation. You've got to make some big decisions. So you and Eric, Eric and you, Heidi, decided that we're going to do this together. It's going to be the two of us. And we're going to go forward. And if it's not the two of us, we're just going to liquidate the company and, and that's it. So you actually had this meeting after Gus passed. You two sat down and said, what are we going to do? It was fairly informal, but we both knew we wanted each other to be in the business to go forward. Yeah. Yeah. We each have our strong suits and uh, right. being close in age and having grown up same friends. And uh, we have a great working relationship. We can call each other that's out on great. the rug pretty quick. And we can also, sure. we work well together, the two of us, we always have. And so it was a, uh, neither one of us wanted to do it alone. We needed the strong suits of the other, the complement of the two of us in order to um, take it to a business that we could manage day to day, but also have a lifestyle and and have some freedom within that. I see a lot of commonality with you two because I'm also, uh, my sister's involved in the business and, you know, she's definitely been calling me out a lot more lately. Um, But at the same time, she's also been growing a lot in her, you know, management and leadership. And it's been great for our relationship and for the company and everything. So I can, I I see how that's definitely a benefit. So why don't we get into um, the theme of the podcast, which we want to talk about how you guys have freed yourself in a lot of ways from the day-to-day operations of the company by focusing on what you guys do best. You started this remote working in 98, and then your dad passed in 2000. Correct. I had set up um, a, a situation. I, um, Given my, my personal life, I have horses and we spend time in the winter months in Chicago, which are tough to be up here with any sort of form of agriculture. So... For me, uh, it's always been horses, My probably to the bane of some family <laughs> members' existence, but I've always had horses. And so we moved south to you know a, a warmer climate for three to four months out of the year. So I started commuting back in 1998 and made that accessible where I would fly back and forth. So I'd, I would fly down south on the Friday and I'd come back a week later on the Monday. So I'd be back at, in the office every other week. And I was able to do that remotely with the financial functions that I was handling uh, with the other support staff in the office with, you know, the different emails and, and telecommuting and the different items in there and, and having Eric you know, after my father passed. So I did do that for a couple of years with my father. After he passed, having Eric in the office and being able to cover what I wasn't getting done because I wasn't in the office. It sort of set the stage for, it was only a few months out of the year, three or four months, but it but it certainly played a role in the day-to-day activities. And I think at some point it became, as families invo- evolved for us, it became very important for Eric to to look at this and consider this if it was important to his well, you kind of set the stage, is what I'm. I'm yeah, I'm seeing I, I set the stage, and it and it worked. And and with our with the size of our company at the time, and with the direction we were taking, it, it was a feasible act. It, it worked. It worked well. Things were getting done. Things were getting covered. It kind of started when when you had your first child. Of course, you know, as a mother, you're spending time with your with your child, and that and that was important. And that's kind of was became my impetus also as well to go remote. But the first thing I think it started as you being a mother and then being part-time while you had your child, which is, which is what 
you know, a, a lifestyle choice that you made, which is a good one, I believe. Did this create a situation where you had to focus on certain tasks and actually delegate certain tasks that maybe weren't as important for you to be doing on a day-to-day basis? For sure. Within any area, I mean, I was, I'm obviously in charge of all the financial aspects. And so this leads hand in hand into letting go of control of certain areas and letting go of control of the financial aspect is a terrifying. That's hard. Yeah. It's for a small business owner. That's a frightening concept. If you don't have your fingers in that every day and you don't have your thumb on the heartbeat and know exactly what's happening, you can get out of control very quickly. So obviously it worked well because Eric was in the office when I wasn't and could be overseeing that and knowing that what I'm seeing on the computer and on the books is in actuality what's happening in the office in my absence. You must have very good support beyond you two. So you're at the top of the pyramid and then you have other people that you work very closely with in the business that you trust have been probably been with you for a long time that know the business well and you feel totally comfortable with them running it while you're not there. I mean, I know you're there to oversee each other's absence, but yet at the other time you have a good management team that can do everything else down below you, right? For certain, I'll, I'll <clears throat> pass this to Eric. How many but, employees but, do you have, by the way? Just uh, curious. 130. Okay, there you go. So I'm, I'm trying I'm to get I'm sorry, 150. Okay, 150 uh, employees. But okay. I think that's a great question for Eric as, as his family, as it became really family choice for Eric to move for the year round to be living somewhere else. Um, he can explain his progression and where our GM came from or how, how that all occurred in order to kind of marry both of our systems. Let's talk about your transition, Eric, to not being in the office on a daily basis, being running the operations and you having to say, I need to delegate some of the things that I do on a day-to-day basis to someone else. What did that look like to you? You know, starting to delegate to another person after you've left is, is not a good idea. I delegating before I left. There was management team in place before I left. There was there was a plan a year out. I mean, I my house was on the market for a whole year. Before I put my house in the market, before all that happened, I was already a, a year ahead of that looking You're at training somebody else. I was looking at doing this a year before you know, a year before my house went on the market, and then I had a whole nother year. So the goal was there for us to transition this way to to give ourselves more freedom. That there was there was a goal, a common goal between me and Heidi to make it to that point. So it was yeah. very calculated. Oh, you had yeah. a plan, you had a vision, and you just you started you know knock this one off, knock the next one off, knock the next one off, and this is any roadblocks, roadblocks. I no and no the, bumps in the road. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Bumps on the road. Many, no many blocks. bumps. I mean, you know, there's what, what was the, the, what was the biggest we're in bump? manufacturing. I, mean, I know everybody we, listening. We can... Everybody listening is in manufacturing. If you don't have bumps in the road, you're, <laughs> you're not in manufacturing. You can, you know, you're not, you're not there. What, what yes. was the biggest issue? What, what is something that, that you experienced that, you know, our listeners could learn? Yeah. From? Because a lot of these people that are listening for the first time to hearing your story are probably thinking maybe this is going to be a good thing for them to do. So maybe if you can give them some tips on, how it worked for you and, and the problems that you had. That maybe, maybe some didn't... of the mistakes you made. Yeah, absolutely. Mistakes are the same whether we're present or not. I think, you know, whether Eric is in the office or isn't, he has a big presence in the office because he calls the GM, you know, Scott, every day. They talk for at least an hour on the phone, if not multiple times. Regardless of who's out of the office, we're extremely accessible. Our cell phone is a vital part to this uh, communication, having the team in place was very important. As I said, Eric, or as Eric explained, he put this in place well before we left. Eric and I discussed at length how this was going to work. 
obviously I set the precedent. It works for me. I still continue to do that. I still commute for three or four months in the winter months. But the precedent was there. It worked. It's working for Eric. And I think the bumps in the road or what what we hit are, are kind of actually silly or laughable. For instance, if it happens to be a week and it's a holiday and we're both out for that week, who's going to sign the checks? So we all laugh, but our, but our, Seems insignificant. our, our vendors, does, right. our vendors Jason, don't it laugh. Does. It sure does. <laughs> um, <laughs> your vendors don't laugh don't when you're laugh. not there to sign yeah, the check. But, but it's those little things that are, that are easy to uh, accommodate. But our system... Especially when it's a Zanger's check. <laughs> but our systems in place and the bumps that we occur would occur whether we're in the office or not in the office because we're both so very present in, in terms of our digital presence. And I think that's an important part of that, staying very connected, very accessible to the team. Whether you're physically there or not, you have to be very digitally accessible, I guess would be the best way to say that. So during that year that you mentioned, did you make that plan clear to your leadership team and say, this is my plan. I'm going to spend a year, but in about a year, I'm not planning on being here on a daily basis and I'm planning on delegating a lot of these tasks to you. They were well informed of, of our intentions of, of what we were going to do and, and, and how we were going to do it. We communicated that to our general manager who was, who was at that point our engineering manager. And we wanted to bring him along to become our GM. We wanted to bring him along to be our GM so that we could complete that, that missing cog in the, in the wheel and pull off this plan that we hatched. One thing I would say is, um, it was not really company wide. I, I don't know. Uh, depending, I mean, I think every company is very different. Your culture and, and the hierarchy. Scott, who became our GM at that time, and, and our other managers were well aware of this, how it was going to work, how accessible Eric would be, or I am. They were used to my accessibility, so that wasn't as much an issue. But in terms of the um, factory workers, that wasn't necessarily something that would come into play, and it wasn't necessarily... Well, they don't need to know that, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. And and I guess if I was giving advice to another company who's looking to do this, some of our biggest customers who who know us well after week two or three or five or 10 of saying Eric's not in the office today. You know, you can have a private conversation with your customers, depending on your customer. Certain customers might have a certain view on that, that, that you're not going to be there. You're not overseeing. You're not taking care of them. But whether Eric makes his phone call from, from his, his cell, phone. cell phone or from his desk phone, it's the same call. So as long as you stay in constant contact, not only are you accessible. You're both not completely out of the picture during the time you're away. You're you're communicating with Correct. your with Scott, you're communicating with each other I would assume and you're communicating with your customers. So you just you just can't close it off for the week and you have no, you know, no nothing, that, no that, communication. That's one thing I would say that customers that were used to calling me. Right. Kept calling me. Sure. So I'm still so I'm like the middle guy at that point. So but you're still talking when you're in Utah. Yeah. Correct. But new customers, new customers, developing customers were put into the put into the GM's uh, communication list. So he was he was then. It's not your responsibility more. You've deferred that responsibility to your GM. Correct. Okay. Correct. He he started developing the newer customers that were coming in. All the growth customers that were coming in. He was developing them. So I'm not getting those calls from from those customers anymore. I could say that that was one of the harder things to let go of for me. Sure, I bet. And of course, you know, it, because you wanted to stay in control. One of the question, one of the questions that your that your listeners might have is is how do you let go? Because us in manufacturing, to make manufacturing work, to to make money, you feel like you've got to grab it so hard that it's slipping through your fingers. It's very hard to let that go. Really hard. When you do that, it does open up a lot of uh, opportunity for personal growth. 
I, and, I believe and, that. I, I genuinely believe that. And your Eric, business sure. and your business will grow when you when you let go a little bit. Your business will actually grow. Your, yeah. Your well, people, I mean, it's happened for you guys. I mean, yeah. as you guys have made this transition, I mean, your business has doubled, tripled in size. You know, so I see that as as a huge plus. One of the things that I see, and you can tell me if this is true, is that as you can't do a lot of those day-to-day tasks because you're not there, you start to focus on more important things or things that are um, more high-level, unique to you. So what you're better at and you become better at those things. Like I I remember, you know, I mean... He's not going to go out in the shop and pick out a tap for somebody setting up a machine, right? Right, right. But Eric and I are always having conversations about business development and talking about acquisition and talking about different ways to grow the business, new customers, everything like that. And you probably wouldn't have been having those thoughts regularly if you still were managing a lot of those day-to-day operational tasks. Is that correct? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. It's it's the whole uh, context of being in the pit fighting instead of being in the stands looking down and seeing what's going on. It's it, you know, if you're in the fight, it's very hard to manage the fight. Yeah, instead it of can't be, be both. Yeah, instead of being out on the field, you're in the owner's box. Correct. I found certain decisions are actually easier to come by and easier to make as I've removed myself from the day-to-day processes of some of the, of some of the because you're not as emotionally connected anymore or correct, or I, can, what, I can just look at them in a i think a, a more objective view okay uh if i'm not mired down in the day-to-day and listening to and involved in and watching a certain process you know trying to implement a new process i think it's easier for people on my team to come to me and say this is what we're running into or this is what we're handling what's your thoughts i think i can have a more objective thought a little more clarity i think it's easier to make yeah make those decisions I think you can grow as a manager by simplifying or, or cutting the fat out of the plate so that you can get to the real issue. So many of the issues are mired in the... Yeah, I know. I know the day-to-day. Yeah, the day-to-day grind, which, you know, Eric and I were almost delayed today. We had a rather busy morning at the office. We we're both in today uh, in the office, and both of our doors were shut for, you know, a couple hours each with individuals in to see us, which which is a great way to catch up with our team. And we're always... Our management style, and it was always our father's management style, we are always 110% available if anybody, anybody who's employed by us wants to come in and close the door and sit down and talk about anything, we're there. We're available. We'll listen to anybody. Even um, from a factory worker out, right out on the shop floor. Absolutely. Okay. I'm, Any, the same, I'm the same way. I so, totally understand. Yeah, just totally accessible. If they need something or a tool to do their job, if they need, if they have a question, they have a if concern, they have a concern, yeah. anything, we are completely available, always have been. And so when you're there day to day, often, you know, that can slow you down in, in what you're trying to accomplish at times. So that's great. I, you know, I love to hear that you're still practicing what your dad taught you. Because I know in my business, too, that, you know, all those old school ways that he instilled in my head, you know, I don't I don't do everything, but there's still things that I do that his management style that I'm glad to hear that you're doing, too. That's great. Sure. The, the culture stays with you. Yeah, uh, it through sure The common thread through all the, the technology and all that stuff that you're taught from inception when you come into the business, how how things should be done. And, and if it's a successful business it'll continue to be successful through those cultural consistencies. I heard an interesting survey going back to what we were just talking about before. A company took a survey, I don't know if I've mentioned this to you before, Jim, of I believe it was business owners or entrepreneurs, and they asked them whether they were 
good at a lot of different things, kind of like a jack of all trades, or whether they were really good at a few things. And one of the things that they found, and this is from the person themselves, that the people that were the most successful entrepreneurs said, I'm only good at two or three yes, things. Was, and the ones that the ones well, that you were like you your are? average said, I'm good at a lot of things. Well, I would agree. I used to think that I, I used good to- Good at everything? Yeah. Well, I used to wear that as a badge of honor and say, you know, I'm good at a lot of stuff. You can go to me and I'll take it on and I'll I'll get that done. And now I'm like, no, I, I can't do that anymore. And, yeah. and, and I'm finding myself being a lot more higher performing when I say I'm, there's these two or three things that I do well and I'm going to focus on those. I agree. You know, and I, I, I kind of see that with and you too as, as well. As I've evolved in the business, I feel the same way too. I've finally come to realize that I'm way better at just a few things and a ton of things. You know what I mean? And those are the things that I need to focus on. Those are the things I really need to nurture and make them grow. So I want to get back to Eric and say, so with your sister's flying back and forth January, February, March since 1998, you're seeing her do this successfully. What made you decide to pick up your family and move to Utah in 2011? What were those um, hot button topics? What was going on? I share that with us, please. As anybody in manufacturing and, and my sister would agree, and I'm sure you would agree, Jim, as well, that you get very busy. And, and I didn't have a lot of family time. I, I was um, looking at my, my oldest, who was already eight, and my twins that were six at the time. And I thought, God, I haven't spent any time with these kids. I've been at work from seven in the morning to sometimes 10 at night. You know, that, that's great to have a successful business and you can do that. But at some point to, to balance out your life, you need some family time. And I, and I looked at what my sister was doing and, and I thought, you know what, I, could, I think I could make this work. I think we've got the right team. We diagnosed the situation. I talked to Heidi. I said, I think I want to move back to Utah. And I went to school in Utah. I, gradu- I graduated from the University of Utah. Little plug for the Utes. I grew up in Chicago. And then you went to college in Utah? Is correct. That you, correct. And, okay. So you yeah. wanted to go back. Always loved being out there. Loved sure. the outdoors. Lo- love that lifestyle. Um, got it. I got it. So we talked about it and and uh, I said, I, th- I think I'm going to move back to Utah. And she said, well, I think we can make that work. And, and uh, just that simple. I think one of the things that probably, I, I don't know, he probably, it's still a blur. Maybe he's blocking it out. But we, we made a major move, uh, a... Um, Oh, you moved the the we facility? moved the facility, okay. and it was a major move. And Eric drove that, and and our father wanted to move for years and years. We had outgrown our facility twenty years before we took made this move, and and Eric oversaw that, and Eric was doing some days where I mean he was that was a big job. I remember it that. was a huge job, and and he did it, and you know he'd be on the lift help. I mean, there's no as a business owner, there's no job you don't fill if it needs to be done, and we it was countdown deadline. Eric was there with the team prepping the new building, answering the cell phone. Because the customers don't care if you're moving. The delivery yeah, date's the care. delivery day. Yeah. You can't be two weeks late because you're moving. Tough, right? And I, th- I think that impetus yeah. probably put a huge, I think that played a certain role of, you know, there was about six months where I don't know how much he saw his family. Uh, it was hard. It uh, was that arduous. Yeah, no, it was it was yeah. a major endeavor. I give him a lot of kudos for that. It was a huge endeavor what he did. So I think that was a huge impetus to say, you know, I don't want to do this forever. I don't I, I can see myself slipping down our father's row and and to bring it kind of back full circle, you know, our, our father spent a lot of time in the business. He was the only one to rely. He he was the only one to turn to himself for what he needed. When we made back to when we made that decision we were gonna do this together. I was still able to commute and he needed to be able to commute and I was able to spend a little more time with my family and do the things I need to and and Eric made it happen so that he could as well and I think we both have become stronger managers and stronger teammates 
we, we have to rely on each other's strengths now uh, to cover for each other when we are in the office or not in the office together. So Yeah. So during that move, you, you essentially tripled the size of your factory. You went from 11,000 square feet to 33,000 square feet. And what year feet. was that? That was the end of 2008. Okay. Okay. So Heidi, you said you said an interesting thing. You you said that you became better managers through this transition. One of the things that I've been um, you know kind of studying a little bit is that both are important, but there's a big difference between management and leadership. Tell me about what you think about you know how you were managing previously to how you're managing now, and how that relates to you know the leadership in the company. It's a large question. It's a it's the bomb dropped in the room here. But I think on a day to day basis, when I when I'm in gross day to day, I actually find myself getting sidetracked or find myself thinking I'm the jack of all trades and multitasking, trying to do it all. I think when I know that I'm going to be in the building for X number of days this week, I cut the fat quick and I streamline and I, and I'm much more effective at getting in a priority list. And it's not just a priority list of what I need to do, but a priority list of what I need to get done for my team so that they can do their job. So I think it's made me look at uh, the flow down, you know, what, what I'm responsible for and who reports to me and how do they get their job done so that I can maintain what I'm doing. And your team appreciates that. They appreciate when you're saying, I trust you to do this well, and I trust you to do it like I would do it. Absolutely. I think everybody, myself, I, I thrive in my job. If Eric says here, you need to handle this or vice versa. So when I hand it down to the team and I know I've got an incredible team in the in the office that handles the financial aspects of things, my management has become much more, like you say, more, more much leadership. more leadership based. Yes, not a manage the crisis. I think it's become more proactive as well. I can see what's coming down the line. I get to see the sales orders are coming in. We're going to be busier the next six months. What do we need to do? Let's react now. Yeah, you Let, and Eric talk. We need to buy a new machine or whatever yeah. else needs to be done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, those, and those are things that maybe when you're stuck in the mire of the day-to-day activities, you didn't have the time to be looking at that data. Yeah, I think you you can't see your way out of the hole. If you get so far backlogged or behind, you can't see your way out. So I, I think I'm much more proactive at my management skills or my you know leading to be more proactive, I think. So somebody's listening to this right now and they say to themselves, you know, I can do this. I want to do this. I think this would be good for my team. What steps or what checklist would you recommend for them to go through in order to get from point A to point B? So back to me and Heidi deciding that we're going to run the business together. I mean, it's a lot easier when you have a teammate, you know, it's, it's, it's much easier. The net isn't completely gone. You know, you have that extra person there that's going to stand in, you know, we job share kind of technically she's here when I'm not, and I'm here when she's not. And then we overlap a couple days. So it's much easier for us if, if a person's a single person that just a president that wants to all of a sudden have more free time and change his lifestyle. It will be harder, but the person, this business is going to have to uh, grow his management team to the point and trust them to the point where he can and, and he should take baby steps. I would say you, you got to start out small. You got to leave for a month, work remotely. Take a month off in the summer. Right. Say to yourself, okay, in six months, oh, so I'm going to take a, a month test. off. That's what you're saying. Grab, take, a, take a month off. Take See a month off. Works. Take a month off in the summer. Only the business owner can answer the God, question if they're that, ready. That is really a, that's a big thing to ask, though, Eric. Because I mean, I I network with a lot of peers in the industry who they don't even want to leave their shop for an hour to go to a networking event, let alone for a month. You know, I mean, it's crazy. So you're that's a big that's a big thing to ask. And they're not ready to do something like this yet. Right. If they, if they right. can't leave the shop for a day. 
it's the wrong customer. They're, so it's you the know wrong what person. I'm talking yeah, about, oh, though, right? Absolutely. My dad yeah. used to tell me if you leave the shop for three hours, the business is we're going to go out of business. So, Jim, I, you I know, think, I mean, it was it was absolutely insane. Yeah, I think I think that's a good point that you know that was kind of the old school mentality yeah. that if you weren't standing there, oh my God. looking at what was being done, you weren't running a successful business. I think nowadays, in the real picture of a leader and a business owner, is if you can step away for a month and everything still operates the way it should, that means you are a good leader, and that means you've taught your team to operate without you. Because, I mean, the worst thing you could do is the business falls apart when you leave. I mean, that's the worst. Well, I I think the illusion of control is a very interesting concept that I've grasped since we've left because I... I am absolutely a organization freak, a neat freak, and a control freak. And I've learned one thing. I am completely, totally, utterly out of control. I can only control myself. So if I have what I need done Good in order, yep. and I put that clearly to the chain beneath me, whoever's you know working for me, I can. I have to have a good team that I trust to follow along and, and continue that. But can I really control them? No. It's it's a like Eric said. It's a trial and error. You have to, and and the people that grasp the hardest are the least in control. So I'm I feel much more in control of the processes uh, that I'm responsible for as I've let go of that perception of 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 the day-to-day grind. As I've let go of that, I feel like I've gained more control of my processes. You mentioned, um, you know, the relationship between the two of you. So can you imagine either of you being able to do this if you didn't have each other? It would be a lot harder, but it, I think it's doable for the, for the person who's running a business. Harder. It would be harder. For sure, it would be harder. Your management team, back to the bullet points, your management yeah. team have to, has to be ready. You have to have a good management team and a good system in place. You have to have your procedures in place. I mean, all the stuff that you, that you have in place already. The only problem is you have to transfer the responsibility to your GM. Your And your, give them the accountability, right? Accountability is huge. Account- you have huge, to have right. accountability. Right. If you don't have accountability, nobody's going to do anything. Right. I don't do anything without accountability. Right. That's a, that's a rough one. No accountability was a, is a deal killer. So yep. so you're gonna you're gonna prep your team a year ahead of time. You're gonna create accountability for your team. Do you have to create some kind of um, scorecard or some kind of you know data that they have to hit on a metrics. on a regular some kind of metrics that they they have to abide by? Or is that just something that you have always monitored and you just continue yeah, to? Yeah, I, th- I think that's that stays the same to run the successful business. The the metrics stay the same. We still have certain you know, profitability and certain margins and, and certain metrics that are still all the same, we still have to hit it. I, and I think it's really important to give people not just the accountability, but give them the tools to do their job. So if we're not present, give them the... What do you, the what do you, give, give me an example of the uh, tools. To a- authorize the right people to make decisions in your absence. Don't paralyze hire, your team. Fire. Yeah, yeah okay. hire, fire, uh, buy this. Don't wait to call me. If, if you need... A, B, or C to get this job done, go ahead and get it done. Right. Don't wait to develop independent thinkers, get them to to make the decisions that you would make it, you know, in your absence. Or even the small things like writing a check. No, I mean, it sounds silly, but... still worried that he, you're, he, this, you no have, one's going to be there to sign the Zangers check. You have to empower your employees, and, and you can't, you cannot do their job for them. Yes, the you more, have to empower The more employees. you do their job, the more they're going to resent you. Exactly. That's one thing I learned right away. If, if you step in the middle, you're in the middle now. You are the obstacle. It's not your goal. You're, you're the obstacle. If you, step, if you step in the middle, you start doing your employee's job for him. You're the obstacle because you're you're slowing everything down at that point. So you have to empower your employees, like Heidi was saying, give them the tools or or give them the the credence and the and the clearance to do their job. Let them make mistakes. One of the hardest things 
to watch is your employee making a mistake. But if they don't make their own mistakes, there's no growth. Yep, there's absolutely. no growth and they, and they don't learn. And you have to be able to walk them through the mistake and, you know, like, like anybody, like a teacher and teach them through their mistakes, what the right path was and, and delicately run that through. Cause this is your management team. You don't want to ruin it. You're trying to empower them. You're trying to get them to take over. Yeah. And you have to have that part of your culture that, you know, you don't want mistakes, obviously, but it doesn't mean that, you know, you're going to get fired because you, because you made a mistake or I'm going to take that job away from you because you made a mistake. You have to teach them through it. That's a great point. My dad would have fired me a long time ago. I'd never be here if I, if we were fired for our mistakes, you know, and I, you know, everybody makes mistakes. You have to be prepared for mistakes. You can't, one of the biggest impediments for this, this whole plan to work for someone is fear. Being afraid of this, being afraid of that. You have to master your fear and, and each fear has to be mastered. So if it's letting go of control, if it's whatever that fear is, you know, the mistakes, fear of mistakes, fear of the business going out, of, you can't be afraid. You'll never get this done. Yeah, And you probably will remain a smaller company if you do that. Yeah. And that's okay too. Uh, you know, uh, small, small companies are, are a great thing. They're a great lifestyle. It's a, it's a great way to make money. It's a great way to make a living. If you do have that fear and you can't give up the control, just own the fact that, you know, you're, you're only going to do this amount of sales. You're only going to have five employees there because you can't give up that control. And like you said, that's okay. Um, but just understand that. There's a lot of days when I envy those guys. It's very true. It's very true. Well, this has been great. Thank you. Thank you both. Always good to listen to every other people's story and be able to share. And um, I really appreciate you guys being here today. I knew a little bit about your business, but I didn't know the depth of it. And it was great to meet you, Heidi, today. Thank you so much for having us. Oh, no, We've enjoyed it's it. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's been great. It's It forces us to take a better look at ourselves, yeah, too. Absolutely. You know, all this. So I just got a quick, quick question. So you're here this week together. So, I mean, when when does all this start? I mean, wh why are you here this week in Chicago together? Well, technically, technically, <laughs> this this would be Eric's week to work. I would be off, but I come because I have the luxury of being here, living in Illinois at okay. this time. I come in a couple of days so that we can sit down face to face or close the door and meet together at what the we need decisions. to do. Yeah, absolutely. Got so it. catch on and, and catch up with different things. So it's maybe this is we're just pointing this out for the first time, but Heidi comes in a couple days a week, almost every week. So her remote working is kind of weekly, but it's maybe two, three, four days a week, sometimes five, whatever, whatever needs be depending on our workload. Um, and I am because I'm further remote all the time and coming flying in from Utah. I'm coming in every other week, Monday through Friday. Yeah. And obviously, if Eric, if there's something happening at the shop or something large, Eric will fly in a couple weeks in a row, just fly home for the weekend. That obviously works. And um, for this week, for instance, I'm here three days this week and I was in three days last week and Eric's in not last week, but this week. So it just just whatever blend works, whatever. It's great on paper. It's great in theory. But in practicality, there's a whole lot of give and take to make this work. So there are weeks where Eric has to fly in three weeks in a row. There are weeks where for the holiday, he can maybe take two weeks out. So there's still a lot of, uh, at the end of the day, we're still accountable. And we, we still, you know, have to show up. Our goal kind of remains the same to run remotely, but the plans, you know, our plans are always changing. So of course, but, but our goals, our goals stay firm and our plans change. So another last question, if somebody's listening, that's not a business owner and they're like, this, you know, this doesn't really apply to me. You know, I, I'm not going to be that person that's going to be able to move to Utah or move to Florida. But they have an owner that they're like, you know, the owner of this company should benefit from this. What do you recommend to that person who works for a manufacturing company and they want to allow the owner of their company to have more freedom um, in order to do what you guys have done? To help an owner have more time, you have to be continually reliable 
to the owner. You you have to be there like he is. You almost have to work like you like you're invested in the business. That's, like you own like you own the business. Like like you own the business. Like it's like it's your money when when a mistake happens, it's your money going out the back door. You have to take care of him the way the way he's taking care of you and and that's that's an old school trait as well. That definitely helps an owner out being there, being accountable, being reliable, all those things and and most owners really do truly appreciate that. I know me and I'll speak for Heidi here but both of us appreciate our employees like you can't believe. I mean we could I'm not- sure you have a good culture. If you didn't it wouldn't you would not have the successes you had. Right, absolutely. You can't do it without you your employees and your employees can't do it without an owner. You know, like I always say at the end of our episodes is Jason and I don't know everything. This is truly a peer-to-peer platform that we're sharing our respect. Sharing stories. Uh, you know, our, our sharing co- plans. This community of manufacturers. It's, it's, you know, it's really tight-knit community and it's great to be able to offer up everyone's different lifestyles and, and the way they run their businesses. I, I think it's fantastic. And again, I think we... We had another great episode uh, that our listeners can learn from. Absolutely. Also, did you want to tell everybody how they can get a hold of us if they have any comments about this particular episode? You can go to a couple places. You can go to makingchips.com. You can email Jim and I. So it's Jim at Jason at and Ryan at makingchips.com. And um, please take a look at our new website. Let us know if you like it. Let us know if you have any comments. And and of course, um, what's most important to us is if you let us know if you have any feedback on new episodes or topics that you would like us to discuss. Yeah. In addition, if you want to reach out to Heidi or Eric at Schmidt Tool, it's S-C-H-M-I-D, Tool and Engineering, and they are in Villa Park, Illinois. Yeah, and their website is schmidtool.com. Very good. I'm sure they'd be happy to um, answer any questions that any of our listeners may have with regards to their unique situation. Yeah, and with that, bam. This podcast exists to improve the manufacturing industry. We want to hear from you, the owners, managers, leaders, and engineers from the metalworking nation. What ideas do you want to share and what keeps you up at night? We want you to take something away from this podcast that you can use to improve your company, your team, and yourself. So let us know what you want to hear and we'll see you next time on Making Chips. Well, if my employee came to me and said, you need to leave more, I might be concerned. So (laughs) I'm not sure how, how, how I'd handle that.